But it's really important that we don't just allow the Word of God to bounce off of us, but actually to change the way that we think and to enrich our relationship with God, but also the people around us. Can I hear an amen to that? So what we're doing in this time is we're simply gathering around the Word of God. And before we open it and spend some time in this precious time that we have together, it would be really good for us to pray. Don't you think it would be good to pray? Uh, In fact, this is a tradition in some churches, not particularly here, um, but actually it's not a bad thing to do. Can we stand in God's presence just for a moment? Uh, And at the beginning of this new year, as we get into 2022 in earnest, wouldn't it be good to make some professions and confessions about the authority of Scripture in our lives and our church? We'd say, thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. We thank you as we've been singing. There is nothing that our God cannot do. And Lord, we know that because of what you've revealed in your word. And so we pray, God, this year and in this time we have together, that that you would enrich our lives, that you would change us and rebuke us and challenge us and mold us and shape us and inspire us and renew us by your Holy Spirit illuminating the ideas and the words written in this precious collection of books. We thank you for revealing yourself through the books of the Bible. And we say, God, would you continue to teach us through it? Lord, for them, some of us have been walking with you for years and decades. Lord, we still say we submit to the authority of your word in our lives. And in this church, we declare your word is truth. So have your way and meet with us now as we open it. In Jesus' name. Can I hear any loud amens behind the masks? Amen. Amen. Okay, please take your seats. I was about about eight years old, and I've been looking forward to this school trip for, for, for so long, from the time it was announced. And my parents saved up money so we could go to Orford Castle. Anyone been to Orford Castle? Well, it's a really, it's just, it's an old castle. But anyway, we were really excited that we finally had this summer term. We were going on this trip to Orford Castle. And uh, we got everything prepared. And, uh, and my parents said I could have a special packed lunch. So I could choose what went into my packed lunch, and rather than the healthy stuff, I chose uh, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, Anyone like a bit of PBJ? I did actually choose carrot sticks for some reason. Uh, Anyway, I still love carrot sticks. And the, the piece de resistance, the finest part of this, was a can of Coke. Now, usually you have those farty little kind of juice boxes. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's more container than there is anything in it. Anyway, I I remember being so excited that I could have Coke at lunch. So I put it in the fridge overnight. Then that morning, I carefully placed it with a little ice block thing that had been in the freezer in my lunchbox. And then it came to lunchtime. And we'd been doing all the things, looking around, drawing pictures of, of swords and things that were used to kill people. You know, like it's really good to do for eight and nine-year-olds, uh, different to- uh, kind of torture instruments. Anyway, we got to lunchtime, having drawn a few kind of things that were used to bludgeon people with. And, uh, and we had our lunch. I remember setting out on the bench. Uh, I put my lunch out, and, and there, in all its red, you know, big, it was kind of covered in the beads, you know, of condensation on the outside. This beautiful can of Coke, and I placed it on the side. 
And I must have got distracted somehow because when, when I wasn't looking, the bully in our class, Lee Smith, and if you're watching, Lee, <laughs> the only reason I forgive you is because of Jesus. Turn to Jesus. That's the only reason I'm not angry about this. If you're watching. Lee Smith, when I wasn't looking, had picked up my can of glory and shaken it. And he shook it and shook it. And then he snuck it back. I wonder why everyone was snigging around. But he stuck it back exactly where it was before. So there I had my kind of soggy and very cold peanut butter sandwich, a few carrot sticks and a yogurt pot, I think. And then came the, the, the fine point of this whole experience. I opened the can... And it exploded all over me. My friends thought it was hilarious. I didn't. Because by the time it settled down, I wiped myself down a bit and got over the fact everyone was laughing. I thought, well, at least I've got my Coke, right? What was in the can was about half the original contents, and it was flat as a pancake. No fizz. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Look, it's okay. I, I don't, this isn't my therapy, you know? It's just a, it's an illustration, okay? I'm okay. The, the thing about fizz is it doesn't last very long. I want to talk today about the difference between fizz and bubble. All will become very clear, I hope, by the grace of God. It may well be, as we enter a new year, as we started 2022, I wonder if you had more fizz than bubble. I wonder if the fizz of the Prosecco or the Coke or the Coke Zero, whatever it was, I wonder if we realize that that these kind of short-term momentary experiences that the world provides, they fizzle away. So much of what the world provides for us today gives momentary, a momentary lift of our emotions, a momentary hit of our endorphins. Something lifts us for a moment, but it's just fizz. I want to talk to you not today about fizz, but about bubble. And we do this in the context of our kind of focus for this year is about the essentials. Now, our vision for Wellspring Church is there's nothing spectacular about it because actually it taps into a vision that Jesus had for 12 disciples from the countryside 2,000 years ago. The vision is the same. His vision was through ordinary people to train them, to teach them in the truth of the word, to show them the kingdom, and then in the right time through his resurrection power, not only to save them, but to fill them with the Holy Spirit that they would turn the world upside down. That 12 people, by the time it got to the day of Pentecost, uh, that 12 people had times by 10. There were 120 people in the upper room. And when they met to pray and hold Jesus to his promise, then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that 120 people, nothing special about them. From that 120 people, by the power of the Holy Spirit, with the result of that is billions, and I mean billions of followers of Christ, living life full of the Holy Spirit in nearly every nation on the planet. You see, that vision hasn't changed. The last thing it needs is for us to have a new vision. We're just trying to tap into the original vision. And that vision is for the love of Jesus to transform communities to change lives, Uh, not to tickle them, not to give them fizz, but to give them bubble. 
That was God's plan and it's still his plan today. And we as a, a senior leadership team over the last six months have been looking again at how can, we, how can we go back to the foundations again just to make sure that in our hearts and minds we're not kind of falling into a churchianity or, or just a kind of corporate church. And one of the things we decided to do was to go back to God about our values. And, and instead of the 10 values like creativity and unity and diversity, all those things are really good, by the way. We, we're not rejecting those things. We felt God take us back one stage further. So what, what is essential to us as Wellspring Church? And the difference between, uh, it sounds obvious, the difference between uh, a value and a hobby is that your true values or the essentials and the unnecessary is that when you're put under pressure, when something comes against you, what is really there? What do you cling on to? What things can you not live without? And we've identified that whatever happens in culture around us, there are three things that we believe for us are essential to who God has made us as a church family. And I don't mean the church organization. I don't mean the leadership. I don't mean the charity. I don't mean the building. I mean here amongst us. What is essential to who God has made us as a church? You know, you're the church. Don't say, oh, well, the church didn't do this. No, hang on. You didn't do this. You are the church. Whatever the church did or didn't do, that was you. That was us. Can I hear an amen to that? We're not expecting the church to do something. We are the church. And the extent to which we realize that is the extent to which we live the full life that God intended for us when he sent Jesus. Anyway, uh, when the pressure's on, we realize there are three things that are essential to us. The first of those we're going to look at today, and then next week, Helen's going to build out with the second, and then David uh, with the third. And they're symbolized by these things carved out of stone up here, these three symbols. And you'll see them everywhere eventually. The first one is uh, a fire, a flame of fire, representing spirit-filled living. The second is a heart, and we're going to be talking next week about wholehearted worship. And the third is a group of people, authentic relationships. Do you know what's essential going forward? If we're going to see that vision become a reality, the, the essential things are that we are living filled with the Holy Spirit that we are practicing and living lives of wholehearted worship where nothing is held back, good and bad, but where we abandon everything. And thirdly, that we build and grow and enjoy even more authentic relationships. And we believe those things together are so essential that when we align our lives with them, when we, when we align our hearts with them, we will become strong in faith and we will become deep in prayer and bold in witness. And the result of that will be we will see more than ever in the future, more than the past, we will see Jesus love transforming communities. So these essentials are essential. And you might be thinking, do you know what? They're not essential to me. Well, uh, over the whole of this year, we're going to do the best that we can to lead you to a journey where they align with what's essential to you. That's up to you. That's between you and the Lord and the body of believers. But I reckon we're going to get stronger and richer and see more of God, more of his kingdom, more breakthroughs, more faith, more of the things that we sing about, you know, the mountain moving. Those things happen when, and we'll look at first today, when, when the people are genuinely and completely filled with the Holy Spirit. Not with fizz, but with bubble. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, you see... The vision that Jesus had, Paul carried. 
Uh, the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, he picked up this vision uh, and it burned in him so much after the Damascus Road experience that, that he was never the same after that. And he decided to lay down so much of what he'd understood in order to, he was taken up, he was, he was overtaken by the work of the Holy Spirit. So he gave the rest of his life until he died in Rome. He gave the rest of his life to see this vision become a reality. And he wrote to the churches in a place called Ephesus, now kind of modern-day Turkey. He wrote to those churches this fantastic letter called Ephesians. And we've heard some of it already in our uh, kind of memory passage for the year. Now, this same epic vision that Jesus had, that Paul carried, that we have, uh, is contested by the same things now as it was in the first century. When Paul sat down to either dictate or to write the letter to the Ephesians, there were issues in those churches he was writing to. There was division. There was racism. I mean, deeply seated racism in the church. There was division over leadership, over loyalty to different leaders. The beginning of denominationalism is identified already in this place. Deep, there was division and there was contesting or opposition to the relationships between husbands and wives, between those who are workers and those who were the bosses, if you like, the, work, the masters and the slaves, also between one generation and the next. There were loads of tensions. And so Paul writes the letter to the churches in Ephesus um, with a, a, a call to unity that they together they might discover the, the width, the breadth, the depth of the love of Christ. And not only that, but they would see that God's purpose was through them, the church, united by the Spirit of God, that they would bring transformation. In fact, he says, you are God's masterpiece. And he says, you are on display to show all the forces and powers around, the principality powers, the finest work that God has ever done, and that is the church of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. That, that's still the case, you know. Most of the issues to then still exist today, perhaps even more in relief. And this is what he says. And, and in fact, there are five uh, passages in um, the end of Ephesians that begin with, in the Greek, therefore walk. Therefore walk, therefore walk. It depends on your translation, how the English translators, but in the Greek it's the same. And in fact, the sixth one is in chapter six, therefore stand. You can look at that and if you want all the verses, I can give them to you. But it starts in chapter four, verse one, then 17. There's one in five, one actually, I'll tell them to you. And the next one we're going to look at is in 5.15. It, therefore walk. It's this idea is, Paul's, that's the structure. Ignore the numbers on your page. They weren't there when Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians. We understand that. Someone put in the numbers much later, but the rhythm of the therefore walk and then some teaching and therefore walk uh, was in Paul's mind when he wrote this letter. And in chapter, uh, the first few verses of chapter five, if you've got your Bibles uh, open in front of you or turned on, um, then is about living as children of the light. And he's warning them against giving in to things like sexual immorality, impurity, greed, even obscene stories and foolish talk. He says, they're not for you, church. He says, instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So he's challenging them by this time in the letter about some of their behaviors because they don't show lives submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit. But our focus is going to be uh, from verse 15. Are you still with me? Everyone with me? Yeah. 
All right, it's still awake. If the person next to you has fallen asleep, just nudge them in the name of Jesus uh, as a sign of love and help and care. Verse 15. So, be, in fact, we can read it all together. Why not? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Pause there. This part of the therefore walk. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. This is such an important challenge to us, to be careful how we live, to be careful with the choices we make, because there's a lot of people making stupid choices. At least that's how it was in the first century. How how are we doing with that today? I think we've popularized foolishness. We are of a generation that says what is bad is good. Hello? And what is good is bad. This world is, this world is seriously messed up and got things the wrong way around. That, that's just 2,000 years later, we're still... So he said, be careful, all of you, how you live. I want to say at the beginning of this year, be careful how you live. Live as someone who is wise, not as someone who is foolish. Then let's read uh, the next verse, verse 16. Therefore, uh, um, making the most, the second half, the making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Let's pause there. You see, in Paul's theology, there are two days. There's the day that's coming, the day of the Lord, the day when Jesus comes again, when everything will be restored, when the the enemy will be finally done away with and all that will be left will be righteousness and the kingdom of God, the day of the Lord. And in the meantime, we are in the evil day, So we're living in days of evil that hasn't changed in 2,000 years. That's not necessarily a description of how things are, but it could be. We live in evil days. Can I hear a a resigned amen? Evil days. He says, in the evil day, make the most of every opportunity. In other words, redeem the time. We know the times you're living in, but what are we doing with our time? Make the most of every opportunity. Some of us are living with years of regrets of missed opportunity. Is that right? We're actually living in the context of all these opportunities that have been missed. And Paul says, no, make the most of every opportunity. Spend your time wisely. That's why it's called spending your time. Hello? It's called spending. You either waste it or you invest it. We either are intentional when we see opportunities come or we miss them. That's why age 19, when I had the opportunity to marry this amazing woman, I made the most of that opportunity. I'd encourage you, you get a good opportunity. Make the most. I'm so glad I did. But many of us have smaller opportunities Opportunity to talk about Jesus, to witness about our faith, to pray for someone. This should challenge all of us to how we live tomorrow. That we might make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Then verse 17. Let's uh, read that again uh, together. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Oh, that's so easy. Thank you so much, Paul. Really helpful. Understand what the Lord's will is. That's so easy to write, isn't it? How do you do that? 
How do you understand what the Lord's will is? Listen, the answer is in the passage. I love this. See, all we're doing is reading the Bible together. That's, I think the best preaching is just saying, look at this, it's flipping amazing. He says this. Don't act foolish, but understand what the Lord wants you to. So another, that, that our thoughts and our actions based on our thoughts, you know, our behavior is determined by our beliefs. The reason you make the decisions that you do about what to do with your money, what to do with your time, the choices you make, the things you say, they're all rooted really in what you believe. So we act according to our thoughts. And so he says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord's will. Then this is where it goes. This, then Paul helps us. He says this. In verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which, let's read it together, because this is a really great one. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Let's pause there. We love that verse. We don't often talk about alcohol in church. I've noticed that, because... I'm often one of the people that has a microphone. They don't get a chance to talk about it. It doesn't say don't drink wine. It says don't get drunk with wine. Don't be intoxicated. Don't be inebriated. How many of you know that Jesus was accused of being a drunkard, but that doesn't mean he was ever drunk. It means he enjoyed the company of people who were drinking. In fact, Jesus enjoyed the company of pretty much everyone except the hypocrites. But the people who knew they were messed up and were drinking themselves in a party, he, he, he loved to be in a party context. And he drunk wine with his disciples. But don't, don't get any confusion about the fact there's a difference between drinking wine and getting drunk. Paul is talking about getting drunk and he says, do not do it. Because it leads to debauchery or uh, the kind of, the, that's maybe an interesting translation. Because the Greek says wastefulness. So debauchery, we think of some kind of some Roman orgy or something. No, actually, the Greek word is don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. That is wasteful. It's a waste of life to get drunk. So don't do it. But then what happens with that kind of void? And listen, I, I, I do understand the difference between drinking wine and someone who is in danger of wasting their lives because of alcoholism, because I've lived with that in the home that I grew up in. I thank God for his freedom from alcoholism for my mum. If you're watching this, mum, I'm so proud of you. What is it, 25 years later, 20-something years later, not had a drop. You're awesome. Honestly, you're awesome if you're watching. But I know the difference between someone whose life is in danger of being ebbed away and someone having a drink in moderation. But this is his point. It's not about alcohol. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Let's have that up again. I know you're all enjoying reading it for me. It does help and with me. It says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Let's read the rest of it. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. How do we know what the Lord's will is? We don't drink ourselves into clarity instead. We don't get drunk on wine, but instead... 
We are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is really simple. I know this is basic. I know you know this already. But listen, I know that also many of us have lost our bubble. And that's not God's plan. God's plan is a a spirit-filled, vibrant church full of people who've got their bubble. Now, uh, over here we have this this thing. (laughs) This fountain. Uh, And you know, very sadly... There is a form of Christianity that is stagnated and halfway what God really wants. Maybe your experience of God or of Christianity, the teaching of Jesus, is you you believe in Jesus, you know him, you love him. uh, And actually there's some relationship there. But but you see other Christians and you wonder what's different about what, what have they experienced that you've yet to fully experience. Listen, there are many bubble-free Christians, and they're on a journey. We pray for them. Don't judge anyone. Some, but some whole traditions have made a point out of, of almost an institutionalized stillness when that was not actually God's intention. By my conviction, certainly for us as Wellspring Church, we're going to be a church with bubble. And uh, what we have here is um, if we just let a bit of oxygen in. Isn't that beautiful? You can get that on Amazon for not very much money <laughs> if you want one at home. And for those who are just maybe listening to this recording, you might, uh, there's a tube of water here that has bubbles. Uh, just see how the light reflects. See, I believe this is a picture of how the Lord wants you to live your life on Monday morning and on Tuesday evening and when you can't sleep on Thursday night and when your manager's driving you mad on a Friday afternoon and every moment in between. The invitation that God has for us is that we might be... He, and, and, and the Greek here, I wonder if we could have the Greek up. The, the Greek actually, uh, it says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. The language is of a present continuous, not just once when you were at Soul Survivor Camp, not just once when you had a good experience on a Sunday, but he says continually be being filled, be being filled, being filled again and filled again and filled again and filled again and filled again. Be filled again, again, not that slide, I'll come to that in a moment. Be filled again, 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 be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So don't get drunk on wine. It's going to waste your life. Don't waste your life. Instead, if you want to know what the Lord's will is, if you want to live carefully in these evil days and make wise decisions, and if we want to make most of every opportunity, what is Paul's answer in this text? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not recite some things on a Sunday. Not sing your favorite song that you like and don't sing the others. It's not a special prayer. It's not even a liturgy. It's not something that's set in. In fact, it's not determined by language. It's not determined by education level. It's simple as this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And filled again and filled again and filled again. Never stop being filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Helen will talk more next week about the dynamic here. But let me just say, you might be saying, well, how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Can we have one more time the passage up? This is, this is a continual thought of Paul, okay? He says, so you're going to live carefully. You're not going to get drunk on wine. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look, he says, uh, and this is, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to the Lord. So be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, with hymns, and songs from the Spirit. 
Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. How do you get filled with the Spirit? You sing. <laughs> I love this. It's really basic. You don't need a degree in theology to get this. You don't even need to be literate. He says, read Psalms to one another. So the people who can read the Psalms, read the Psalms to those who can't in the first century. Yes? And in the process of being receiving the word of God and of singing songs in their hearts, that's how you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You sing and you give thanks to God in your hearts. He doesn't say sing off a screen. He says, and make music from your hearts to the Lord. Hallelujah. It's so simple. Even I can get this. It's so simple. We can all get this. Spirit-filled living is fueled by worship. It is fueled by praise. It is helped by music. Yes? But, but really it comes when we're making music to the Lord. What does Paul say? In our hearts. You know those moments when we're singing a song that our brilliant worship team and our bands have chosen and it suddenly becomes your song? Yeah. Did that happen earlier when we're singing There's Nothing That God Can't Do? It's like, oh, I'm not sure about this song. I'm not sure I like it. I think I've heard this. Or Is this new? Why are we singing a new song? All these things going, and then there comes a point. There's nothing that God can't do. And it becomes the song of your heart. I'm telling you, that is the key. That is the opening of the door to receive the Holy Spirit and to be filled again. And when the people of God gather together and worship and praise and are thankful to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, praise opens the prison door. Can I hear an amen? Paul knew that. Remember Paul and Silas in prison? He knew that praise opens the door to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The slide that went up earlier can come up now, and that is this whole idea of being enthusiastic. Entheos means God within. In fact, it comes from that Greek idea of being possessed by a God. I believe God has called Wellspring Church to be an enthusiastic church. Yes. Can I hear an amen? amen? Enthusiastic. Oh, those wellspringers, they're so enthusiastic. I'd love to hear that on the streets. So enthusiastic. It's really annoying. They're so enthusiastic. Can I hear an amen? amen. It's really annoying because I'm having a bad day. And that wellspringer comes in and they're just so full of, oh, so full of bubble. It's really annoying. Do you know what? If you're stuck in stagnation then the bubbles are annoying. But I'm telling you, if you've got bubbles living inside you, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you don't want to trade that with anything. Amen? Amen. Someone says, oh, but it's really tough. It's really hard. In fact, some, whole, some mindsets can come into churches and be, oh, it's really hard. Don't you know how hard it is? There's COVID. There's all these restrictions. We've even had people that have gone before the time we thought was right, have gone to the Lord because of this disease. And, uh, and there's all this loss and, and people have lost their jobs. And you know, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. I'm telling you, someone who's got bubble in them says, I know it's hard, but God is good. Yeah. All the time, God is good. Even when I'm weeping and when I'm mourning, God is good. Yes. And when the spirit of the Lord is bubbling up inside us, 
then something is going on that you can't touch and you can't take away. And you can give me all the bad news you like. Can I hear an amen? You can try and drag me down and tell me how it's so sad that the government of the United Kingdom is not upholding the teaching of Jesus. Gosh, do you really expect a secular, judgment, uh, secular government to uphold the teaching of Jesus? Why are you surprised? Hello? I mean, by all means, for sure, uh, let's, let's stick up for justice. But let's not expect the government to do what the church's job is to do. And that is to uphold the teaching of Jesus Christ and to be a different kind of kingdom and a different kind of people. I'm telling you, God is calling us. And I believe he's saying this to me and to you, not just to me and not just to you. We're in this together. He's saying, I want to turn up your bubble. Whatever happens, happen inside. I know it's how I'm not denying that, but the, heaven, the heavens are ready to open over this church family to all those who would say, God, I just want to be filled again. I need to be filled again, God, because I leak. We were praying together as a senior leadership team this weekend, and these questions come up. Are, are we just filling time? Are we just filling time, or are we using our time? Are we living fulfilled? You see, we can be fulfilled. Uh, God, God is saying to us, he's saying to you today, you can live fulfilled. You don't need your career to improve for you to live fulfilled. Can I hear an amen? You don't need that promotion for you to live fulfilled. You don't even need, hear me, you don't even need to receive that healing for you to live fulfilled. Hello? You don't need to see that miracle happen in your timing for you to live a fulfilled life. No, no, no. No, we, we can live fulfilled because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is what he's invited us into. Not to be intoxicated with fizz, but to be enthusiastic with bubble. I'll finish with this. It wasn't just the churches in Ephesus. If you flick your, if you've got a paper Bible, flick back just a couple of pages. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia with some of the same ideas. He says this in Galatians chapter 5 from verse 16. So I say, and let this just wash over you. Let this speak to your spirit right now. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires, oh, it does, doesn't it, that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Can anyone say amen? amen? These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. It would say, I think it was now, road rage. Uh, it would say selfish ambition, <laughs> dissension, division. Let me tell you again, as I've, I have before, that anyone living... That sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone who pursues all of that stuff is not open 
to all that the Holy Spirit has to offer. If you're pursuing that list of things and celebrating that list of things, your hands are busy doing other things and not able to receive the kingdom of God, not able to receive the blessings of heaven because you do involved in the lusts of the earth. God's inviting us to make a choice here. And uh, the final few verses, they said, listen to this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, bubble. Joy, bubbling away. Peace, bubbling away. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says there's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading, unless everyone say, in every part of our lives. A really simple message today for us, church. And it's for all of us. And it's for us if we feel like we've lost our bubble. Maybe we've just stopped singing songs from our hearts. Maybe the things of the world have become more attractive to us. And bit by bit, the valve around us, if you like, and the, the ability to connect with the Lord has come to virtually nothing. And the bubble, we're just in danger of becoming flat and tasteless. And when that happens, you know, the people around us, they can tell. You can't hide this at home if you've lost your bubble. You can't hide this at work with that annoying customer, with that difficult patient. You, you can tell. If you've lost your bubble, listen, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. But there is a challenging invitation. Will we open ourselves up again? And instead of being stale and stagnant, will we allow the glorious, beautiful, bubbling Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives? And then most days, most days, what will bubble up in most occasions will be love and joy and peace and patience and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, kindness, self-control. Those things will just bubble up and people will say that, that they'll say, that David, he's so enthusiastic. They'll say, Ed, you're so enthusiastic. What is it about these people, about joy? She lives up to her name. She's not just called joy. There's, she brings joy. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit bubbling up. So church, come on. Let, let's agree together. And, and it doesn't just happen now. It happens every now. Be being filled. It, it does happen, though, when we gather and we sing and we praise, when we really make music to the Lord in our hearts, and we're going to do that now. It does happen in these moments that we can then breathe in again the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And let's take a journey this year, as well as in this moment, to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and say, come, Lord Jesus. And we can do this because it's all made available to us. It's not down to us. It's down to the love of Christ who says, I love you so much. I don't want you to live flat. I don't want you to depend on some fizz in your life. I want you to be filled. And he wants to fill us now. 
And for those at home, I want to say you can be filled now at home. Had a testimony just a while ago of someone at home and there was a, a word about them sitting on the sofa, wondering what to do, seeking God. And the presence of God just came in that room. So if you're at home and you're watching this, even if it's not in real time, even if you're just watching the recording, I'm telling you right now, we are, I'm praying for you right now, in this moment, at whatever time of the day, wherever you are in the world, that you'd become strangely aware of the presence of God and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And friends, it's a year to pray in tongues if you've received that gift more than you ever have before. If you've never asked the Lord for that gift, this is the year to ask him for that gift and begin practicing and using that prayer language. Now's the time for the Spirit to be filled again.